backstage, so it's it's totally chill. All right. There's no rules here. There's no uh, loose and flex. No pressure. Oh, so this is so we can do real podcasting talk here, and this is not. So I won't do any euphemisms. Check me if I do any bromides or anything like that. Yeah, no bromides, um, man. Just keep. We'll keep. We'll uh-huh. stay honest here. Yeah. Keep it real. Business, you know. Keep it real. Keep it real, real. Well, let me ask you something there, since this is real. Okay. Real quick. How many downloads do you get on backstage versus your main show? Ooh, great question. This is something that uh, we talk about often because Adam says, uh, why you got to put this on backstage, man? It's going to get less listens. I'm like, well, because it's it's different. So probably like a, well, okay. So backstage gets between like 3,000 to 6,000 probably. Yeah. That's like a tenth. Uh, our main show gets, you know, 20 to 40,000, just depending on the episode. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a separate show, but it looks like it's in a separate feed. Yeah. So it is a separate show. So here's how, here's our backstage philosophy, which is that it's for the the super fans, the, the, the insiders, the people who care about us beyond as the interviewers, you know? So we figure that's less than our normal people. And so we put backstage as its own podcast it has its own name, it has its own webpage, all, all that, but it doesn't have its own feed. The feed is part of our master feed, which is where you get it as a, kind of like a bonus when you get our master feed, which is all of our shows. So if you want, if you like all of our shows, that means you're already a big time listener. So we'll give you these backstage episodes and it doesn't go out in its own. You can't just subscribe to Changelog Backstage. You have to just subscribe to the master feed, but you know, 5,000-ish people do that. So it's still a decent mm-hmm. audience, I think. These are the surprises. These are the good ones. I feel like maybe, is my internet connection bad? I feel like I'm, I feel like there's some latency up in here. There's a little bit of lag, but uh, I think we could probably deal with it. You want to test the latency, Jared? I don't know. How do we test the latency? What do you mean? Like, just keep talking and hope it goes away? Is that what you mean by testing? Well, you, it took you a little bit to answer me, so there, that's good enough right there. <laughs> <laughs> it might be me. Let me turn my video off. And, I have uh, fiber here, so I usually don't have too much latency. I wish I had fiber. I here. have fiber as well, but you know, gosh. All right, my cam's disabled. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. Where are you at, Adam? Where are you located? Uh, Dripping Springs. Okay. You should know that because it's really close to Austin. I, I'm actually fairly new to Texas, so I don't oh, know. Sorry. I haven't been completely indoctrinated yet, but I You're do know in where Texas. Austin is. We're at. Yeah, yeah. North Texas. Uh, Dallas Plano area, North Texas. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, it was nice to go to the <laughs> podcast movement conference, though, which happened to be in Dallas this year. Oh, yeah. So that was just a quick commute. I didn't have to travel anywhere. Wow, that must have been good for you in, I guess, in quotes, the business, right? The business of what you're doing, not so much the business, the business, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing better than meeting people in person. You know, you can do all these Zooms, but it's so much more useful to talk to people one-on-one and you get a sense of what they're passionate about. So yeah, I thought it was great. Mm. We question whether we should go there. I mean, we podcast, but are we part of the movement? Do we need to be part of the, the movement of the podcast movement? I, you guys have been doing this for a while, so some of the tracks on how to grow your audience, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> less interested in. We probably need that still. I mean, I think everybody could still grow their audience regardless, you know, but. There were a lot of people there. I met thousands of people now at a conference like this. So if you are interested in certain monetization areas or just what the industry is doing, 
you know, and there's some free parties and stuff like that. But it's, uh, you know, it's your standard conference. I think there was a little bit more um, interaction this time because of the pandemic. So this is the first one that came back after COVID. And so everyone is just like, let's go. <laughs> right. Everyone's getting out. We spend most of our time at developer conferences kind of being with more with our people and with the audience versus like with the other makers. I do keep up though. Like I, I read the news feeds. I, you know, I've, I've been tracking the podcasting 2.0 stuff. You know, we've implemented some of the elements, some of the tags and stuff. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that makes That's sense awesome. for us. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, we want to be abreast of what's going on. I love that there's people trying to make technological moves in an otherwise very stagnant space. And I've been just seeing who's adopting what and what can we adopt and help promote things that are interesting, you know, because we're nerds and when cool nerdy things come out, it's like, well, let's promote this. Let's maybe use this. Let's at least think about it and talk about it because we don't want to just be, you know, just given mm. to the whims of Spotify. You know, we don't want to just be right. serving at the pleasure of the king here in the next few years. <laughs> so, right. so yeah, we do, we do try to keep up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I like to say is there's no um there's no executive vice president of open podcasting. You know, there's no there's no um manager that goes to some management conference and then comes back and says, This is what podcasting will be for the next three years. It's so many different players. And uh so they end up being very reactive. So if something happens that they don't like, they will try to react to that or they'll react to competition. But for the most part, it's really up to individuals or individual companies taking on the initiative of doing some of these kind of, I don't know, keeping the stack up to date, right? Because like you said, there's advantages to having an app like Spotify or YouTube that has soup to nuts, the entire listener and hosting experience and monetization experience. They can create a lot by having all the pieces together and having a, you know, central management. Whereas podcasting has to kind of do things through agreement and through uh, consensus and through fear sometimes. Uh, so it, it's a lot more uh, complicated. Right. Such is the world of decentralized collaboration, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's exciting in, in, the, in the other way because there are thousands of people working on it potentially. So that's one thing I think we have... Um, on, our, on the pro list is that we have so many people who get up every day and this is their job. And especially when you go to a conference like Podcast Movement, you see all the people that this is their livelihood. And that's that's pretty interesting from someone who's followed it from the very uh, beginning, where you see just people yeah. throwing up uh, RSS feeds on their Apache server. Yeah. Well, at one point we did, uh, we had a podcast where we literally edited the, M the XML file. And I think we are synced it, Jared. Is that right? GoTime, originally, we arced the, the XML file? Yeah, so we were actually developing our current platform that we're using now, but we wanted to launch GoTime, which was our second show at the time, and we didn't want to wait for the actual app to be ready. So we launched it on SoundCloud, mm -hmm. but we didn't want to use SoundCloud's like other stuff. We just wanted them to host the MP3s for us for a little while, and so we, we, we manually hosted our own XML file that just pointed at SoundCloud's MP3s until our platform was able to write write that file automatically for us. We were writing it by hand for probably like seven or eight episodes, Adam, wasn't it? A few, yeah, a small handful, I want to say. It wasn't so many where I was like, man, can we please 
get this. It was it was maybe like less than ten, I'd say. Less than ten. So if you go to a small shameless plug here, but I don't make any money from it. If you go to livewire.io, this is a site that I put together that kind of provides stats about uh, new episodes that are coming out in the world. So I basically look at every single new episode from every podcast that comes out. Um, there were about 1.7 million last month. I just did the stats for, for September. Um, but one of those things has hosting companies. And the reason I bring it up is you'll see SoundCloud is actually still fairly high up there. <laughs> so a lot of people that were using that technique are still doing it. A lot of musicians, obviously. So there are, there are a bunch of music podcasts that you know, DJs will put up there. But it's not only that. Um, so technologies like mm -hmm. this can hang around for quite some time. It's crazy. Buzzsprout is still there, too, because like they were the OG from way back. Yeah, Libsyn's on there. I think they were one of the first. Yeah, Libsyn was actually probably one of the very, very first. Yeah, Buzzsprout's killing it. They do a lot of the podcast namespace tags as well. So they're really interested in all the new services coming out. And uh, we've had some discussions about OP3, which is, I know we wanted to talk about at some point. Uh, they're really interested in in that project because it actually solves a bunch of problems at once. So it solves a different problems for different constituencies in the podcast world. Yeah. Well, that's the main reason why I reached out to you, John, because it's very interesting to us. Uh, we are open source people, we're software people, and we are, we've been rolling our own everything uh, for since 2015, 2016 time range. And so that's left us a little bit wondering, like, for a while, were our stats accurate? Are these people's stats as accurate? Uh, how do we track what is a listen, blah, 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 all the stuff that that has been going on. I've been, tr I've been watching with some chagrin, like the IAB stuff and like this whole formalization of standards for downloads and just kind of ignoring it for the most part. But there was a time when we, when Chartable first came out that we saw what they were up to and we realized like, okay, this is a cool way for us to validate our own stats package, our own internal package to see if it's working right, <laughs> you know, cause we could have put Chartable in front of it let them track our stats for a while, you know, then look at our own stats and see if they're kind of at least correlated. And they were highly correlated. They were pretty close, which gave me some confidence. But then Chartable became kind of this somewhat Goliath for a little while. Like it was the only people that were doing it. They started to get all this market share of everyone started pointing their stuff through them. And then they got bought by Spotify. And like, that's when I just turned it off. I was like, well, I've gotten what I want out of this. But then up comes your deal, which is the open prefix project. Is that the one that stands for? OP3. Open podcast. I think podcast is in there too. Open podcast prefix project. There you go. There's three P's. That's right. I just call it OP3. OP3 is a cool, cool name, I think. I call it that as well, which is like I couldn't remember what this, the P's were. I grew up in a different era when there was, there's only two P's. Wait, is there? Wait, hold on. Well, I think in my era counts. was, you know, this was back in the day. It was, you know, who's down, who's down with OPP? Are you down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Oh, is right, right, right. you know me. Yeah, 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 you know me. A lot of those jokes are gonna. <laughs> yep, I thought you were referring to the self-referential abbreviation of that. We used to have a a building in college called the Cab Building, which is like campus administration building, but they called it the Cab Building. You know, so it's like a recursive right. sort of deal. Right. Yes. Yeah. Good news, not units. I like OP three though. OP three is a good name. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's stuck in my head at least, but I don't know if it's just because I'm working on it. But it's nice and short, and actually the. Several domains were available, and there's, I don't think it, there's any sort of prior company or brand that uses it. So it's works, worked out so far. Is it worth going over like how this works? Because I know 
everyone's listening to the podcast, but and you guys are really familiar in how the podcasts are made. But I know not everyone especially knows what an analytics service is. I don't know. So maybe it makes sense to like go over just super high level. Like there are podcast listening apps, you know, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. And then there's the podcast hosting side, which is usually someone like Buzzsprout, Libsyn, that the customer is the podcaster and the podcaster, instead of doing what you guys are doing and doing it all themselves, uh, pays some money every month to have them host it on WordPress or, you know, something like WordPress. And then there are these analytics services that are affiliated with neither one, that their value is kind of being independent. And one of the uh, services that they have is a prefix that you can use as the podcaster. So instead of all the URLs being to your episodes being like cdn.changelog.com slash episode one, it's, you know, chartable.com slash cdn.changelog.com slash episode one. So everyone that downloads your podcast will first hit Chartable, which is one of these very famous uh, analytics companies. And then they will redirect the listener app over to your CDN. So that gives them more or less the same info, actually a little less info, but pretty much the same info that something was downloaded. And again, when we talk about podcasts, we're in a very non-scientific, non-ideal stats universe, because just because something was downloaded doesn't mean it was listened to. Um, lots of podcasts will download hundreds of podcasts. And we were talking about before the show, like I think Changelog is in my hundred list of hundreds of subscriptions that I subscribe to, but you guys don't know that I don't listen to everyone. And so what a lot of people do is they just apply these. Oh, well, we know now, John, you just told us. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, when you said you were on uh, back, <laughs> this was on backstage and that this would be for kind of really hardcore. I was like, okay, so what are the, what are the very high level topics that you guys normally discuss? So I went to the last episode and you guys were talking about ID3 tags. <laughs> 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 that was a bit of a, well, that's actually one of the reasons why he brought you backstage. We don't, yeah, we don't like to navel gaze very often. We just did for a whole episode. It was one of the reasons why this is backstage. But uh, yeah, that Let was. Let me tell you, I love that episode. So that is something near oh, and good. dear to my heart. I have, as part of this uh, this app that I was building that does all the, the new episode calculations, I actually look at the ID3 tags of every single episode. And so like, I know all the detail. I have my own parser. I know. All these tags, I'm like, you know, you guys are talking about the encoder tag. I'm like, oh, it's T-Ink. So I, I love that you have your <laughs> own encoder and are doing your own thing there because I think a lot of people use it behind the scenes, but it's not something that's widely talked about. There's definitely no conferences talking about ID3 tags. So I love that discussion. That was, that was really cool. It's such a core part of the, uh, you know, the the whole way you deliver the MP3, like I said early on, like it, this is the metadata that goes to the MP3. Like, I don't understand why people don't scrutinize more to the file that's written. Like we have wanted to for many years and have not been able to until now. So we've desired, but not have fulfilled. And now we're fulfilling. So I, I think that's like, a, it's like, uh, it's hard, I guess it, it's the deliverable. It's the promise that we give to our listeners. This is, this is the, any artifact. I'm glad you're doing it because there's a huge chicken and egg problem in podcasting because let's say there's a new standard or like you, you were doing chapters. That's, that's a great feature. But until all the listening apps implement chapters, it's hard to make the sell, right? It's hard to say. You almost have to go first as being the publisher. So it is chicken and egg, but I like to say, really, hosts need to go first on a lot of these. And you are the host in this case. 
So I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are, are taking the opportunity to put this info in there and hopefully we'll pick up the ball and run with it and add, you know, new apps and stuff that light this kind of thing up. But you can't do it if the data isn't there. What'd you think about the actual chapters, John, on that episode since you liked that episode? What'd you think about the chapters? Like the titles of the chapters? Yeah, the fact that they were there. Like the, you know, oh, think, yeah. Did you use them? Did you use the chapters? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it even in the episode. Like, we get a chance to guide our listener through the episode. And uh, yes. that isn't like some, you know, mechanic behind the scenes or some sort of script that does it. It's, you know, me or Jared or another human being we care about that's part of our team that like crafts that for the listener, like to give that guidepost to say, this is a good spot to start listening. Yeah, yeah, you could, there's some room for innovation there. I know some people are thinking about putting animated GIFs in there or doing kind of crazy titles. It's, I mean, you have to remember that lots of podcasters, and this was my case, I was actually out walking during it. I had the phone in the pocket. And since I was actually interested in the entire episode, I wasn't kind of looking for the chapter information to skip and so forth. Usually it's it's most useful to kind of skip to the parts of shows that, you're most interested in and then come back to it or to find, um, do you put URLs in there as well? I, I, I kind of like that. Cause then it, instead of having to try to read a URL in the, in the show, you can just kind of click, but again, not all, uh, App, Apple podcast does. So that's actually really great. So if you put the embedded chapters in there, Apple will show them. So that's kind of an incentive for a lot of people to do it, but there's still not amazing tools as it sounds like you found out it's, there's not, fantastic tools for doing that. Um, but Apple has formally encouraged uh, shows to do it. So I, I actually, on that Livewire site, I just did an update of my, I kind of keep track of how many shows use chapters. And it's a small percent. It's like a single digit percent, but it is growing. Even this year, it has, it has grown, especially after Apple prompted everyone to do it. Mm-hmm. Tooling is required yeah. for a podcaster. That's for one. Like you said, even the host or the or the podcaster. It is. It's not a it's a high context thing too. Yeah. yeah. And anything a, a lot of podcasters that I've talked to, they want to just get their audio out. So once they're done, that's the hard part. They kind of want it to go out and if it's embedded, that basically means it's a step in between. So you have to have more work do it before the episode is even live. Now the podcast namespace chapters are in a separate uh, file. So a lot of their shows will actually put out like a stub file and then fill it out later. So that's that's one advantage to having it external is that you don't have to modify the actual MP3 to do it. There's some downsides to it as well when it comes to dynamic content. Yeah, we support both for now. Cool. Just because I want to support you know the new stuff, why not do it in both places? We have the information is stored in the database so we can write it multiple times. And that way we can update it. I think it makes a lot of sense for people who are non-technical going forward. Once I hope it becomes somewhat table stakes, or at least for people who care about their podcasts to do this, I think having somebody who can edit it in a CMS after the file's been sent out is such a big win that I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could draw the conclusion of the, or the, um, the distinction between the podcast and a YouTube you know, video, for example, like I will pay attention to the video more if there's chapters for it, especially if it's five or minutes longer than, you know, in time, because it's a guide to the episode. Like, I don't always care about everything they're going to say. And in some cases, I'm going there for one piece of information, even if it's a review, like just give me, can I just jump around, give me the freedom to do so. And I feel like that's what podcasts need as well, because for the same reasons, like you, you know, 
you may have the phone in your pocket, but if you don't, you may want to skip the sponsor read. And that's cool. That's your choice. It doesn't help us if you do that, but you know, that's that's your opinion. And we give you that option. And it's better it's better than not subscribing or, you know, stopping listening to the show. Right. So yeah. Um, and it's also, and I'll probably come back to this, it's open structured data. So you could have services that pull out chapter segments from shows as kind of a way to slice and dice and find new podcasts. It's just, it's more structured information you're providing as the person who knows about it um, to innovate on top of. So that's, I'm all all for that. But again, it, it is, someone has to do it. It's work. It's not something that can be automated. Yeah. On that note, I think it's like a feedback loop. So You'd mentioned uh, downloading but not listening and, and that lack of feedback loop in this sort of archaic mechanism, which is RSS feeds and MP3s. Well, this is our ability to communicate to the clients, I suppose, to say we're more we're a more sophisticated podcast because we support more of the format in the MP3 and the ID3 V2 spec, etc. So I, I feel like that gives us the chance to sort of like, you know, in terms of a segment, maybe a chapter gets listened to more than any other. You know, maybe there's a certain chapter in an episode that has gotten, you know, way more attention than any other. And if that aggregate comes out where they pull out certain chapters or segments, you know, there might be some better feedback loop to that can be in the process five years five years down the road beyond today, where it's like, you know, we can now actually examine at a chapter level what is being listened to versus, you know, something else. You know, the whole entire episode, for example. So you guys are interested in the feedback. I know after talking about OP3 a bunch, it's been, some people actually think it's a negative. Like you shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't gear your show towards, completely towards audience feedback, right? You should do what you're passionate about. You're the expert. You're deciding the show. You shouldn't be all about optimizing, you know, completely based on who's listening to what, because that'll lead you down the wrong path. But what I hear you saying is that you actually do value that feedback as far as like, oh, they like this topic maybe, um, and they didn't yeah. like this so much, or maybe we could tighten that up. And that, that makes sense to me, but I'm not a podcaster. Here's what makes sense to everybody. It's a melding of the two. Right. It's, it's back to like product development. If you make a product and you don't talk to a user and you don't get their feedback in the thing you're making, you know, are you making the thing they actually want to enjoy? Or are you just making it for your own ego or whatever you feel like you're making the best of. I feel like if you don't have that feedback loop, you're sort of painting in the dark. What might you get? Right. That being said, we're not simply going to give exactly what's asked for or what's exactly what's popular every time because we have our own tastes. We have our own desires. We think we know what's good and we have our listeners' best interests in mind. And so we meld the data with our own intuition, our own tastes, our own excitements and hope that makes kind of the best of both worlds. We're not simply going to give people exactly what they ask us for every single time because that you end up with a Homer Simpson car, you know? So it's both. So I guess stats is a good jumping off point to talk about OP3. It's a little esoteric. And so you kind of have to know all the pieces, but I think we've talked about the various pieces at this point. So it solves basically three problems. The first problem is the problem that, um, Jared, you talked about, is that we actually have these nice third-party independent analytics services, but the incentive for them is to take the download data that they get and immediately join it to other third-party IP address databases to enrich that data. Uh, because they're interested in not only showing how many downloads a particular show has for an advertiser, but 
what the demographics of that audience is and what the income of that audience is. And, you know, breakdowns by gender and by ethnicity and by political affiliation. And I'm sure you guys know, it's just a matter of how much you want to spend to how kind of creepy the level of detail you can get on down to the neighborhood level, down to what apps they have installed, down to what they were yelling about. <laughs> like it can get, and they, they have an incentive to do it because that makes their product more attractive. Um, but they also have an incentive, or even if they were not as interested in that, they also have, are then become, if they're popular, like Chartable and uh, some other companies, they become a very attractive acquisition target. So they can be joined by a yet larger company with their information uh, for strategic reasons. So that is kind of one problem that's out there. So even in, you know, you mentioned already that Chartable and Podsites, two of the largest of these uh, analytic services got acquired in February. Um, I saw, and you can imagine, I'm sure even some of your listeners might be thinking like, oh, this seems, sounds like a great business. I could probably write some Perl scripts to do this. Uh, I'll just be the next Chartable. And that doesn't really solve the problem in my estimation long-term. It just repeats the pattern. <laughs> so they're going to get popular and they're going to have the same incentives. They're going to, you know, it, it's the same sort of pattern. So that's problem one. Problem two is that um, the hosting companies themselves, there's all of these hosting companies now. They're all very mature and they all offer very similar features. They have, as you say, ta table stakes features. Um, they all now have to have some sort of stats ability. So they are have to task someone as part of their sprint every month, like, oh, make sure the stats are clean, that we're filtering out all the bots and do, making sure we're performing the calculations properly. And they're basically all showing very similar charts, similar charts and graphs. And it's it's even more ironic because the larger shows then turn around and use a third-party service to, <laughs> to use their stats because they don't trust the host stats. So it's table stakes and it's a lot of work and they're all doing it separately, right? So it's not really value-add anymore. It used to be. Uh, maybe even five years ago, it was like a selling point. You could say, hey, we offer great stats. But now most offer stats and they don't really view, they would love to get on and work to, on other things. So they kind of view stats as a, I don't want to say a commodity, but it's, you know, you specialize when a industry get mature, gets mature, you specialize into, into functions. So that's problem two. Uh, problem three is a little more esoteric, but it's the whole notion of, we talked a little about, about kind of open podcasting before we started here. Um, one of the cool things I was around, you know, like, I, I'm old enough to know like before the internet was around at all. And when the internet came around, as someone likes to build things, you just have this limitless possibility of, oh, just how cool would it be if we did this or that? And you're only limited by your ideas and the building blocks that are available. Um, obviously, there's some downsides that we've seen as well, but there's still so much opportunity there. And podcasting is one of those sort of interesting places where you, anyone can publish uh, an audio file and have it pretty much distributed automatically to all these different venues while they sleep, right? So it's not that hard. However, there's some big chunks of the system that are not like that, even in open podcasting. So let's say you had a great idea for an app. You wanted to create the next big podcasting app. You can go out and scrape all the RSS feeds. You can get the show and episode level information. You put it all together. You can, hopefully they have nice chapter information and, and tags and so forth. But think about what YouTube does. They have some things that you currently can't do, like comments and monetization. But a, a, even a more core thing is recommendations. So like 
what podcasts are people listening to? What podcasts are people listening to around you? You know, what podcasts, you know, let people that subscribe to this, subscribe to that. Within, even if it's a very popular app, they know within their app uh, stats like that, but they don't know across the whole industry because it's so distributed. There's no place where that information resides. It resides basically in silos at different levels, so at hosts and so forth. The services, the, these third-party analytics services, they have it, actually a fairly broad sample, but they don't make it available. So that's kind of a third, third aspect is it would be great and it would unlock all kind of more features that we could build on top of the open podcasting system, keep it competitive if that data was available, but then as a listener being available in a safe way, right? Because more people listen to podcasts than make podcasts. You, you kind of need to satisfy both concerns. And as a listener, I'm not sure I love the fact that my IP address is going everywhere, right? That's where these analytics services come in. And most apps don't disclose that this kind of stuff is happening, right? So you, you want services to kind of do right by the listener, even without an explicit agreement there. So OP3 is a system that I was putting together. I was like, let's, this is the internet and I'm, I can build stuff. Let's, let's try to build an ideal system that solves a bunch of these problems at once. So it is an analytic service in that it's very similar to Chartable. It's a, you know, you add a prefix, op3.dev slash whatever to your episodes is completely free. Um, it's, it runs on a CDN platform, so it's up 100% of the time. It'll never be the, the bottleneck in getting to your content. Um, but it's sort of radical in that it turns around and does all the minimization and so forth. It throws away most of the request information and stores it. But it turns around and makes all the participating shows data, the minimized data, the minimized request logs, available to anyone. So it turns around and makes hashed IP addresses, you know, what episode was downloaded, when it was downloaded, the user agent, things that are not user identifying necessarily. It turns around and makes that data available so that now a startup can go and look at that data to say, oh, this is a signal of what podcasts are, are trending in Cleveland, that sort of thing. So that is radical because none of these other services will, you know, they are very against that. That's kind of the core mission is not to yeah. do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, it solves the stats problem for the hosting companies because now they can sort of outsource. They can say, even a new hosting company can come up and say, oh, we're going to use OP3 for our stats. That solves the stats problem. And then they don't have to do it. And then it solves the um, the independence problem in that I am not kind of like affiliated with any corporation. I do, we haven't talked about like why you should trust me to do this, but I'm basically an independent uh, I do this full time. I do podcast ecosystem development and, um, it is open source. So not only is, do I turn around and make the data available, but the entire machine is auditable in that, not, it, not just that it has a nice privacy, privacy policy, but you can look at the code and you can say, oh, like it's not actually doing what it's supposed to do. Or, oh, I see that it is doing what it claims to do it. Um, so everything is out there on GitHub, even the deployment. So it deploys via GitHub action. So anyone can kind of see flow through and not have to take my word for it. And we'll have better docs at some point. But the idea is um, I wouldn't trust the system myself if I didn't know or trust the people behind it. So this is one way to kind of jumpstart that process. Does that make sense? Now, it's very early days. But uh, right now, it, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on, hey, we, we want this thing to exist. You're speaking my language. I'm, I want you to get to the part where you say, what's in it for John? So I'm mostly known right now as the data guy, right? So I have all these, you know, data reports that I do on the podcast industry. Um, I'm interested in it from, 
several angles, but one of it is the data aspect, right? You can't make a good app without knowing all this information. And I'm working on some apps and services to do that. But this particular OP3 project is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is something that I plan on actually publishing the bill. So I, I created a separate Cloudflare account for this. It all runs under that account. I am asking for sponsorship. So I imagine that this will take... I'm a developer, so it'll, it'll probably take you know, a couple of weeks, several weeks of initial development and then some ongoing maintenance and so forth and then ongoing data costs. Um, but all of that should be doable with sustaining sponsors. And again, I've talked to a lot of the big players in the system, but if you are someone that wants to, this to exist, it won't happen unless I get enough of those sponsorships. So right now I have kind of what I call a pioneer sponsorship where you can, you can support monthly uh, just to kind of, you know, kickstart development. But that's that's the model. The model here is to always be an independent, uh, non-kind of IP brokering service that kind of self-sustains itself. And all the information there is actually on the uh, uh, the GitHub site. So if you go to the GitHub site, it kind of get, provides a roadmap and then provides some of the commitments around how we want this thing to work. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But from all, I've done a lot of projects like this, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback on this so far, even in such an early state. And again, I think it's because it's sort of zeitgeisty and it solves some problems, uh, for, like I said, in, in, for different constituents. Yeah. But it's serverless, right? So it'll run, it'll run automatically. I don't, need to, I don't need to poke around and upgrade the servers. It's interesting to have this as an independent thing, though, because we've been part of certain organizations in the past with our podcast that had inflated downloads and we thought we had more listens than we did at one point during our show. And then when we changed to our own platform, we were kind of bummed, weren't we, Jared? I mean, if we're being honest, we were like, well, actually our show isn't quite as popular as we thought it was. It was, it was still popular, but it was not quite to the level we thought. And so you have, you know, with many stats platforms, you have many possibilities for error, essentially. You know, you know conservative stats versus non-conservative stats being like overly inflated or whatever it might be like. And then also the data problem, like the people's identity, like our, our, our desire to be clear, John, and you may know this already, but is not to, you know, circumvent our listeners privacy. It's more so to understand how does our show perform out there at large one, because we are a sponsored, primarily sponsored show. We do have change plus plus, which is bridging that gap, but it's, we don't believe that, our plus plus membership, uh, maybe one day it might, Jared. I don't know, but I think it would be crazy to say that it will dwarf the ability we can of, of money we can make as a business from sponsored. You know, so our desire isn't to isn't to circumvent any of that system and you know remove our listeners' privacy. We want that stuff to be theirs. I mean, it's just not something we're, we we want at all. And then you've got all sorts of things in the mix there where you've got different platforms. And that's half the reason why we decided to go the route we did. One, we we made a, a, an early bet that we can get Fastly to work with us. And so since the beginning, since the beginning of the platform we built, um, we have had Fastly as our primary CDN partner. And every bit of that bandwidth since 2016 when we launched this open source platform has been thank you, big thank you to Fastly for taking that burden on for us. Because one, we're a small business, but two, we wanted to make sure that we can actually deliver globally. When you're a global show, by default, which we are, 
well, we don't want somebody in New Zealand to get the show later or slower or whatever, or have a lesser experience. Like having that CD in place for our, for that part of it was a big deal for us. But, you know, just the independence of, of OP3, I think, is an interesting aspect. I guess the concern is, and, you know, what you may not be able to guarantee now is how long can it remain independent? Will it always be independent? How can we ensure that it is independent? If it needs to be in place for the listener's sake and for the host's sake and, you know, the one place to go to get stats done right and keep it third party and keep it independent, how do we make sure that it remains independent? I mean, the classic answer to that, or from some of the models that are out there for open source projects is a, you know, an organization of some sort. So some sort of uh, umbrella organization that has, you know, its own tax ID and that sort of thing. And honestly, I would love to do that. And I'm basically writing it in such a way so that that is an option in the future. But as you know, some of these projects, you don't want to do that up front because it's a lot of work and then it goes nowhere. But I'm definitely, you know, again, it's a separate, um, separate account. Uh, so you could easily hand those keys over to multiple people and have it run seamlessly. And then same thing with GitHub. Right now it's on my kind of LLC account. But you could easily imagine that going to an open source uh, approach if there are more people willing to sponsor it and, and having more constituents. So that's something I'm definitely open to. Again, it's not something I want to necessarily... I do have experience running these kinds of things, but I don't want to have this be my full-time job forever. I'd like to get back to writing some other things too. But I see this as so strategically important that, and I see the possibility that we could kind of do it wrong, that I do think it's important to kind of get it right, get it out there, and at least have existence proof, have people using it, and um, kind of do it the right way to give it the most chance of succeeding. And then we'll see where that takes us later on. But yeah, I'm definitely open to uh, committeeifying this because that's something that really you want multiple owners. It's really owned by some of the larger players and the people that use it really. Mm -hmm. Is there a chance for this thing to make money though? Like it, it could it be in quotes, a commercial open source company. Could it be a cause company? Could it be, you know, an open source company basically? Could you build something around this that turns it or does it remove the independence aspect of it? Exactly. You, I don't think you ever want to charge podcasters directly because then we'd have incentives to kind of like, you know, bring in podcasters kind of the wrong way. You want them to, well, first of all, the, the fact that it's open kind of right now is a, is a barrier. It's actually less of a barrier than it used to be. But the fact that their numbers are public is a barrier for many shows. And you kind of have to ask, and I've had these conversations like, so what is the concern about being open? Like, again, if the, if the data, data was handled properly and you get over that hurdle, what is the hurdle of why don't you want your numbers to be public? And Everyone has their own answers to that. But I think getting over that hump is one thing. I could see charging, though, and I've already had discussions like this because a lot of these new hosting companies want to basically do the outsource. Hey, can you do our stats for us? And in order to do that, they do need some of their shows to have that guarantee that it's not going to be part of the, the public pool. And so that is, that is something you definitely see. And they're willing to, ch to pay money for that, obviously. So that's something that could be a very... So pay for privacy of those stats? Pay for... Um, so they would be the primary uh, customers of that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, obviously, we'd probably try to make as many of those shows open. And I'm sure a lot of their shows would be open. But you need to have the checkbox that's like, hey, keep this private. And since they would then be the only consumer mm -hmm. of that info, I think it's fair to have them pay for it. So I could see that as, as a pretty easy way to make money. What's the main pushback from podcasters on why they don't want their stats to be open? 
Is it just because they just don't want them to, or like what is the concerns they generally share with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 more. I try to yeah, keep exactly. the conversation very open because just kind of let it hang out there. Because if you if you think about it yourself, and you guys are very open with your download numbers, really it comes down. It's all of the you know, internet entrepreneur, you, you kind of want to fake it till you make it. You, you kind of want to put out the presence of, oh, this show is bigger than you think, right? And once you get the real numbers, then it's like, oh. And it is negative if, let's say, your, your show numbers are public and you're doing great, there's no problem there. But then your numbers start to trail off. And, you know, it's one thing if it's only the podcaster that knows this, maybe they get a little bit depressed or they get energized to do, to do a better job. But now it's it's a little bit worse if that's public, right? You could see that heading in bad directions potentially. So it's really just making that follow. It's but Twitter, you know, you everyone sees your follower count. Um, I feel like especially younger people, like they're much more open and authentic from the beginning. So I think that's not as much of a problem. It's really more of people that are still in that old mindset of I want to kind of project that I'm this global. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, you know, show, whereas, uh, that may not reflect reality, but if everyone, again, I think having everyone's stats in the same pool makes it a little less. Cause as you say, there's actually a lot of difference between hosts, which is really tough right now. Even if they have the same IAB certification, the certification is such that you, the major inputs to that function can be variable. So which IPs you use to do different things, um, are not specified, so even though you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for these certifications, you don't get apples to apples comparisons out the other end. And so you move shows and all of a sudden your show numbers move and, you know, that can be, some people actually use that as a selling point. They say, actually, your numbers will be higher on our host because we, we do a worse job. We can't promise you more listeners. We can promise you more right, downloads. Right. And I don't know if you've been following the, uh, there's a big to-do in the podcast world last week in Bloomberg, there was an article about... Now that all these systems exist, they are gameable. So there's uh, apps that will have a third-party library that will you know, ingest podcasts or download podcasts effectively to get coins in a particular game. So you can you know, get 1,000 coins by listening to 30 seconds of a podcast. Why is it 30 seconds? Because that is the certified IB download that triggers all of the, oh, this is an authentic download. All the ads were fired. And so there's, that's problematic, obviously. And I'm not against I'm not against ads either. And I think actually some of these channels are legitimate marketing channels. But if you don't know that going into an ad deal, let's say, and now all of a sudden you get all this, you know, very cut rate traffic, then that becomes extremely problematic. So I think what OP3 is going to do is it's going to identify, hopefully identify the traffic so you can slice and dice and see, oh, this show actually 50% of it is so-called rewarded traffic. So that's interesting. We're not going to throw it out, but we'll show you. Maybe the CPMs for this should not be what they are. Mm. On that note, what about, uh, I mean, I've wanted to improve this for a while, which is essentially enable people with money to sponsor more shows in ways that actually benefit them. You know, one of the things we say when we sit down with the sponsors, like, can we actually help you? Can we actually help you reach the audience you think you want to? Do we actually talk to the audience you think you want to talk to? And can we help communicate your message effectively in a way that, you know, gets attention? And if the answer is no, then we don't work with them. We don't take their money. You know, we don't, we value the relationship and the ability to help them because we care about our audience. Like if, if our audience doesn't, would not care about you or would not be in your wheelhouse, why will we broadcast your message? It doesn't make any sense. 
But at the same time, it's like for them to come to different shows and assume potential value, there has to be some sort of data, something from them to say, okay, these are worthwhile shows. Is that something that OP3 will help with to be able to provide more data or more awareness to maybe not to like the, ge the geographics and the genders and stuff like that you'd mentioned if this is all, you know, hashed IP addresses, et cetera, but like, will it help them find better places to put their money so that more businesses like ours, more podcasts like ours can actually flourish because it's easier and we're not the ones saying, Hey, our shows are great. Come buy from us, which we don't say that necessarily. We do say our shows are great, but we don't say, Hey, come buy from us uh, necessarily like that. It's like more like if we can help you, yes, please. But Give them somewhere to start to to investigate. Say, okay, these six shows speak to our audience. That's really interesting. I'm glad you said that because that's something. And one of the things that I've, and one of the reasons I've I've made this project open, uncomfortably open from the beginning. Right now, just to be clear, like it has no charts or graphs or fancy stats yet, because we're starting at the lower level. So right now, it does reflect back out the minimized requests, but it, only if you're a programmer would you care about that. But one of the cool things of having it open from the beginning is you get feedback on these sorts of things. And that's really interesting in that you could use it as a discovery mechanism for new shows. And the, the, the fact that it's using the same function means it's an apples to apples comparison. You don't have to worry about... They'll pay you. It's like a headhunter, right? It's like a headhunter. Like, can, can I yep. use my marketing dollars effectively? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, John. That's I will a really pay good you idea. to help me do that effectively. Because that might be you know, a way that you can turn this into something that, like Jared said, what's in it for John? Mm -hmm. It's not something that's completely representative, right? Because it's only those that participate. But it's free to participate, and it's it's for the shows that want to uh, have the open system survive, right? And kind of like have these services, like this discovery service that I honestly wasn't thinking about until just now. Someone could build that. Right on top of it. So that is. I'd share our data for those reasons. It's the exact reason why we say, well, why do people say, I don't want my data to be open? Well, it would be because you want to inflate or you have an ego to protect or you want to have a certain perception or. And that's totally cool. Totally get that. Fake it till you make it. Love it. Did it. Have done it. Maybe still do it a little bit here and there. Um, but we've been around enough to be established to feel, I would say, confident in our ability to gain an audience, capture an audience and keep an audience, and it's cool when we start from zero. We, we're, we're fine with that because we know where we can go. And maybe, maybe that's because we have thicker skin and we've been there for a while. Those who may be new to the space might be less confident in, in those ways. So for us, I'm like, I would love to give that kind of data out there because if it attracts us brands that make sense to work with us on that front, cool. It, like, don't think that I'm out here selling you because I'm not. One of the main mm -hmm. things I do when I sit down with people is like, I'm not here to sell you ads. I want to know what your business is trying to do, who you're trying to talk to, what you're trying to do in, in, your, in your trajectory, and can we help you connect with that audience in a, in a meaningful way? Because that's what I want to do. I don't want to sell you an ad. Kind of that's what I do. That's what we do. But that's not what we really do. And there's enough metadata in all these shows to provide, you know, categories. You don't have to be, what are, what are the uh, most popular podcasts everywhere? You can target basically just on public information. So you can target based on the topics of the shows. Now a lot of shows have transcripts. You could envision targeting in on based off that public information. Uh, just the iTunes categories might be a good first pass filter. To, you know, other tech shows, stuff like that. But all of that 
to me doesn't cross as a listener that's that's um, interested in privacy that doesn't cross the creepy line because it's basically just a sense of who of activity on these various dimensions without having to zoom in on what neighborhood you're in so i i, I really like that idea so what how does it work and you're at the lower layers right now but how does it work in terms of the actual nuts and bolts of knowing, you know, what a download is and who it's coming from and, you know, are you IAB certified? You know, tell us, tell us all that. Like, cause you had to make these decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Just like everybody else had to. So wh- how did you decide on what to track exactly? There's lots and lots of Perl scripts. <laughs> there are um, certain agreed upon ways. So there's a few things. I could talk about this for a long time, but let me try to uh, keep it short. Basically, you need to identify the things that are common, like what the app is, right? So you have to know, is this a, a request coming in from uh, an app that a user is using versus Chrome or a bot or something like that? And uh, so that's one dimension is like what the app is. You can get that from the user agent. There is uh, the harder thing is IP address, right? So there are ranges where you know to expect some interesting data coming in from them for various reasons. Some are VPNs, some are corporate networks where you see thousands of requests coming in from the same IP with different user agents. They're legitimate. And then you see the bad actors, right? You see the bot since any open system is open to all sorts of automated traffic that you have to identify. And they often use Overcast as their user agent, right? So you have to you have to do some some application of filtering at the IP level as well. That used to be easier because you could kind of identify users versus uh, servers and just kind of block all servers. But now it's harder because a lot of people use VPNs and a lot of people use Amazon Web Services for listener apps, right? So a lot of traffic goes through Amazon that is actually representing uh, a listener hitting play on an episode. So it has to be sophisticated. There are shared, obviously, Amazon publishes their ranges. There's some public server lists, and I plan on incorporating as much public info into the calculation as I can. But as I'm sure you know, there's like day-to-day things that you have to identify, like you kind of rate limit some things, and then certain ones pop up, and you have to add exceptions for those. That'll just be part of the operation of the site. But that's part of why sponsorship is needed, because there will be some aspect to this maintenance-wise going forward. There are certain, and I've talked to certain people that are um, that are doing something similar. So they are doing their own uh, for-pay analytics service. They have the same problems. They need to identify the apps. So there's common ways of identifying user agents. And I've been having good conversations on sharing a lot of the, even the IP ranges as well, because that's something that it's not super high value add, especially for identifying VPNs, Tor, that sort of thing. So I could see there's some existing um, server lists, but I could see kind of getting together and putting those in the public as well for the po- specifically for podcasting user agents because that traffic actually looks um, a little bit different than re- regular web traffic. So Cloudflare actually has really good uh, bot detection, but it's really horrible for podcasts because their bots look different. So. <laughs> Um, it's something that will have to be uh, sort of domain specific, but I do have, it's not impossible, right? Like, and it's something that you do the best you can. We haven't even talked about the, I guess we have a little bit, the downloads themselves are not listens. So they're, they're all, it's already sort of like, you already take a percentage and just say, 
you just pick a number and say, <laughs> so you really do the best you can and you identify certain anomalies as they come up. But that's, I mean, anyone in, in digital, you know, accurate digital marketing has to deal with this. Yeah. But if this is an open platform though, and you've got indie developers like Mark Armand or Overcast or different folks that are building these clients, if you could provide them a mechanism that like on play, fire off to the indie thing, that's some sort of account and then you sort of be able to munge the numbers together. Okay, well, the downloads are this, but the play count seems to be this. I don't know, like, is there room for, like, this... I feel like this indie player that you can be could be a key to helping everybody talk and not be siloed, you know what I mean? To give that feedback loop to everybody, really. Yeah, I w that would be awesome. I mean, that would be great. And actually, this is a perfect time to do it, given that a lot of the hosting companies... And I don't want to disclose all of the people I'm talking to, but a lot of the big players are really mad about what has happened with downloads and the gaming of downloads. And so they are willing and ready for a solution that you just described where, yeah, we still have downloads. We'll probably always have downloads because that's the mechanism that you get the content on the phone. But if you think about uh, who has the actual play data, that's Apple. And Apple actually provides, do you guys log into your Apple uh, Connect and, and look at your listen numbers from there? Because they will show you Here and there. not only like what down, but they will show you like a graph of like over the epi a particular episode. Oh, they dropped off starting at minute 50 and you know, that sort of thing. That is something that if they are willing to, and we come up with a protocol to get that down to stat services in a privacy protecting way, that could really shake things up. And so I think what you've just identified is one of the most interesting kind of conversations going on in, in the in the industry right now. So if you have any good ideas on how to make that happen, that's something that someone like Marco would actually do. It seems like we have lots of good ideas, John. Lots of good ideas around <laughs> here. We'll just keep talking. We'll just keep talking. Because um, that as well, you'd have to have something that's uh, resistant against fraud because that's another huge, like if you can just generate um, mm -hmm. requests, you have to make sure that it's signed and that sort of thing. So... I do think it's possible and it's kind of fun to think about. Uh, and I think now is a really good time to do it because in a couple months, I think people will be on to other things and worried about other things. So I think now is a really good time to capture this. So any sort of uh, emerging standard that comes out, uh, OP3 will definitely support. It would make sense for anybody who's in our position to want to know that, that information. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to know all that all the detail. Obviously, not to the level of like what neighborhood or what gender, what political affiliation, as you mentioned before. Like that's not a, of importance, but more like, okay, sure, we've got forty thousand downloads, fifty thousand downloads, whatever the number is, but thirty five thousand play or whatever the number is. Like, I would not want to operate on inflated ideas, I suppose, or awareness of what our episodes perform at. I want to be a bit more clear about that. Not so much that we're even looking at our stats every single day. I think for us, it's more like, how do we trend? You know, was last year better than this year? Can we continue in this trajectory? Not like, oh, well, this episode did X, so we're upset. It's just more like, what was different about that show than this show that outperformed? We didn't even think that show would be great. Not so much that it would be bad, but more like, we just, what stood out about that show that made it overly perform while this one underperformed in comparison? Well, on this episode, we did this, this, or this, or, you know, we could at least address some anomalies or investigate and try our best to either stop that if it's bad or repeat if it's good. What works today? Like, what, 
what, what does it do today? Like, can we, can we redirect? Can we start plugging our stuff in? No, don't ask that. Don't ask that. <laughs> don't ask that. <laughs> yes. So that is uh, the base level. Uh, I basically put it out there in the minimum possible working version. So what happens today is it 100% will redirect your episode. And by sticking it in there, and you guys could do this easily because you own your RSS feed. Uh, most hosting companies, so if you're with uh, Megaphone or Libsyn or whatever, some actually have a UI in their CMS that you can specify a prefix. But all of them have a workflow now because of Chartable and these other companies. If you email them a prefix, they'll test it out and they'll add it for you. So that's always the back door to it. But yeah, if anyone wants, if thinks this idea is great and wants to kind of play around with their own data or just contribute data almost as a donation... <laughs> Um, just go ahead and add the prefix. It works great today. It's been running for a few weeks now and we put some really huge shows on it and it's been, uh, it's been really solid. I've been really, uh, thrilled with the way it's performed so far. Now the, uh, the bill, we'll see what the bill comes in at the end of the month, but <laughs> from a stability point of view and from a, you know, your users are going to get your episode point of view. It's definitely there. We do have an API and it has a, you know, a swagger definition and a, everything like that. But right now it's just a single endpoint and it's, you know, give me the raw redirect log. So it's again, very similar to the Apache logs that you get, except that you get only hashed IPs and the very few attributes that we currently capture, like what the URL was, what the user agent was. So if you wanted to, you could write, and people are actually doing this, just taking that data and performing their own downloads calculations for various things. And they're finding all sorts of things. So they're finding... Uh, open source user agent identification libraries that weren't as robust as they thought they were. So they're already improving that just by looking at data now that it's available. And then again, this is non-user identifying data. This is just like user agents. <laughs> so even that, it's kind of the interesting aspects of something being open that you don't, you can't predict all of the ways that it will be used and it'll be useful. But that is, that's really interesting. So if anyone has a huge show, I would say a medium to large audience, I would love it if you guys would be able to try the prefix out um, almost as a way of saying, we want this to exist. And then I'm working really hard on rolling that all up in a high quality way to shows, episodes, and then downloads. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on full time for the next four weeks or so, probably. But that is, just to be clear, that's not available right now. So if you're a podcaster and you just kind of want to get a chart out of something, Stick with your current providers, um, but if you want to start um, at least being a participant in this, and we can always back calculate the stats. So once we get the calculations done, we'll be able to light up any data that you've put in to date. I'd love that. So just the more the merrier, because you always find things, you know, it's, it's trending in this area of the world and you didn't expect that, or it's trending with this, they're sending weird looking data in. And so all of that is great. Are there any existing Perl scripts? Like, are there stuff that people in the community have been writing that are, is there a collection of places where I could just point it at the API at my data and get some of these numbers in a hackery kind of way in the meantime? From OP3 or from like Apache Log? From what you're providing at your API. Yeah, I mean, again, this is super early. So it's the early adopters, but there is, if you go to the, have you gone into the podcast social, the podcast namespace project? Uh, Mastodon yet? No. That might be the best place to find those kinds of things because I know they are in development. I think it's just podcastindex.social um, and you can sign up there. That's where everyone interested in the new podcast tags are kind of talking about. So that might be one place to look. Um, as far as open downloads, uh, 
I think it was Podsites, one of the existing companies, three years ago introduced the notion of open downloads, which is basically a way of saying for a given request log, let's come up with a deterministic calculation of downloads. And it's fairly simplistic because they're a prefix. Um, but I know some people are looking at that. So if you search for ODL or open downloads on GitHub, there's some code there that takes standard uh, Apache logs or I, it needs to be an Avro or something like that. There's some actual code there. And I would imagine when I do my download calculation, I'm going to basically use that as the first pass. Um, not the code, but the basically the approach. And then my own IP lists and any sort of other clever things we have to do there. So that's an interesting, if you want to contribute back to a kind of a shared, like if you want to start your own project like this, um, check out ODL, because that's another sort of open project that wants to do kind of open code on this data as well as the data. Okay. All of these O uh, project names. Yes. <laughs> OMG. So many ODLs. Uh, four ways to open downloads. I'm not seeing it at the time. Operator description. Discretization library? That doesn't look like it's it. Maybe you'll need to link us up because my initial GitHub requests are failing, but... It's fairly small, and it went nowhere, but people... It's its one of those weird things where a lot of times the spec goes nowhere, and then yeah. it's found when it's needed. So right. <laughs> I know people are looking at um, breathing new life into that, and I definitely plan on using that approach, if not the code directly. Dang, man. So this is super early days. I knew it was early, but I thought you, at least you have some download numbers or something. Oh, it's early. Okay. Dang, man. You're hilarious, Jared. What? <laughs> just funny, man. The way you come at him like that. That's funny. Dang, man. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. I'm just, no, I know, just <laughs> factual. Yeah, I know. It's just funny. It is early. And again, usually this is not comfortable for me. I mean, I've worked in, you know, big <laughs> tech. I've worked in like. Sorry to make you so uncomfortable, John. No, not this, but the whole notion <laughs> of putting things out like early in public. Yeah. Usually I'm the type of person that like really spends a long time polishing everything and then the announcement blog post, right? That's the standard. But I'm sort of glad I did it in this case because I'm getting fantastic ideas and uh, you know places to go in the future. And I'm so glad I did it because I would have gone heads down and did a particular thing and then have to do a bunch of other additional work. It's great to have this feedback from the beginning, if a little uncomfortable in the beginning. So yeah, if you're looking for graphs or download numbers right now, and that's all you want to get out of it, just hold on a few weeks and then... Uh, we will do a, a proper announcement blog post. That's not all I want to get out of it. I just would like to get that out of it at some point. Happy to throw one of our shows uh, behind the prefix and see what happens, but it's always more satisfying to get some sort of numbers back. Yeah. Well, you could do, again, the, the documentation makes it fairly easy to filter on your URLs. Mm -hmm. So you could very easily, and this is what people are doing right off the bat, is writing little scripts that like hit the API every so often for that URL. You could do that today fairly easily. So that sounds cool. So this podcast social thing. So are you, is this podcasting 2.0? Are we talking about podcasting 2.0 or is this like a separate thing? Help us understand because there's like a move. Oh, we're changing topics. No, same topic. I'm talking about OP3. Like, are you podcasting 2.0 or not? Oh yeah. So, so which site did you hit? So the social, the uh, Mastodon for the podcasting 2.0 project is podcast index.social. I'm just asking like that deal, that group of people, are you one of them? Are you podcasting 2.0? I'm in there. I'm I'm in there quite a bit, you know. I think what's interesting about all of these new tags is it's something that's not necessarily new to the 
industry, a lot of the existing players like Blueberry have wanted to do this for, and Buzzsprout have wanted to do this for a long time. But as soon as they come up with a new standard, all their competitors are like, we're not going to implement the Blueberry standard. So what's nice about the podcast namespace project, as interesting a, a cast of characters as it is, is that it's completely anti, you know, it's completely independent. It's anti-corporate, mm-hmm. like it's right. punk rock. It is, there's no question that all they care about is making podcasting better and not helping one of the various companies. Right. So that's why I think a lot of people are interested, if only, you know, it's maybe not new from an idea point of view, but it's a fantastic way of standardizing uh, a lot of competitors, ultimately. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to drive at, like OP3, is it punk rock? Is it, are you? Definitely, definitely. So you're right there. You're like... In essence, in spirit, you're our podcasting 2.0 movement person. Like this is maybe it's not like it's not part of the namespace. It's a different thing altogether. But like OP3 is part of this group of of miscreants or something that are like doing cool, interesting things. Well, again, there's no coordinator, so you need to have uh, I don't know. You need to have some sort of loose idea of where people are going. Otherwise, it's just everyone running in different directions. So I do try to post in there. And if people have questions and that sort of thing, I do try to participate in those conversations. I was known for a while for being the comment. So if anyone has questions on their commenting standard, they actually have a way of uh, defining cross-application comments for podcasting. So think about good pods, but something that's open that every app could participate in using ActivityPub. Are people using that? I would love for that to be a thing, but no one's using it, right? No. And all these things have huge chicken and eggs problems. And that more than most, because even if the apps and the host implemented it tomorrow, people have to comment. So it's like, that is the hardest one (laughs) by far. If we ever crack that, then we'll know that there's been a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, forward progress behind this initiative. But I'm not giving up. I think it's a good idea. Comments are one of those things. When you go to YouTube, there's a lot of negative comments, obviously. But I don't know. Personally, I don't interact in the comments that much. But sometimes you do, and the comments are extremely funny or helpful or you rabbit hole on something. So it's something I'd love to have, at least as a possibility for podcasters. And you mentioned before feedback. Uh, air, you know, like Stats are one way of knowing that people are out there, but I think new podcasters love to hear back from their listeners. So anything that makes that easier, I think, would be cool as well. But yeah, that's, very, that's a complicated tag. <laughs> I glanced at it and I thought, nope, not going there. Uh, we have comments just on site, and we get some comments. We have very. Well, what do you use for your comments? What's your uh, the back end for the comments? What protocol do you use? We use uh, a HTML form, like the form tag on HTML. So it's old school, man. You just go to the website, and Postgres to store the data, and store the data in a <laughs> database. There's no, there's no smarts there. It's all stupid. And it's not even but, WordPress because WordPress actually a lot of people that sell photos use WordPress. They have their own comment model. And there is someone not affiliated with Podcasting 2.0, but that has an ActivityPub plugin that works great with uh, with these comments. So once that gets a little more finalized, I think that will be a, an easy way to light up at least those self-hosters that use WordPress. Because basically then it's just a checkbox of making it available. Well, you know, like Discuss? Discuss was like a, isn't it just like commenting services out there? Discuss, yeah, but you discuss. want to be able... If it's an open protocol, you want to be able for each app to be able to pull the data into their app without shooting them off to a separate iframe, without you know shooting them off to another app. So it basically supports any protocol that allows you to do that. 
um, activity pub slash Fediverse slash Mastodon. Like that's, it's actually a great protocol for this problem. Um, but there's not a lot of libraries out there. The spec is actually very loosely defined. It's really like what Mastodon does. And um, Twitter is actually another supported one. I think Twitter is actually not bad because a lot of shows post to Twitter um, when they release a new episode. And all the protocol is for the – the tag itself is fairly easy to implement. You just say podcast social interact and point it to the Twitter URL. Um, the hard part is having the apps take that URL, call the Twitter data API, integrate it nicely, integrate replies. So the tag itself is easy to implement. And a lot of people have done actually just that part. But the ecosystem needs to evolve quite a bit, especially on the player side, uh, to take advantage of it. As somebody who's on the punk rock indie, indie side of things, what do you say then whenever like Instagram or TikTok or YouTube seem to win the eyeballs or the attention because they're the platform, they have the stuff baked in? There's no argument on like which spe- which spec, which protocol, which API should we pull in? Like... This is going to be a systemic problem long term if we can't like get somebody to win, you know, in this space and get somebody to implement this and like run with it. But then you got like or some idea to win. Well, the idea, but you got clients. Like, there's no unification in podcasting, which is like the good thing and the bad thing. But it's like, you know what I mean? Like on YouTube, you can go be a YouTuber and YouTube provides a platform and the comments are there. And on TikTok, you can go be a TikToker. Not saying I'm wanting to be that, but like, and the comments are baked in. Like the creator doesn't care really at all or think at all about the platform necessarily except for that it's there to enable them to connect and create even more where i think podcasting is like is like self-made indie but then it's also like laggy and doesn't have that cohesiveness across clients like there's no one way to podcast you ask you know anybody you grab five people who actually listen to podcasting all listen to them differently different clients there's no one way you know do they comment? Is there comments? Are there chapters? Do they know what ID3 even means? Like, no, none of that stuff because they just don't care. They're there to, con- they're there to consume. And that's what worries me, I guess, about podcasting is like it doesn't have its act together like a platform might. But then that's kind of like the, the good thing because it's independent. I get that. But it's still the, the Achilles heel of, of like where we thrive and where we're investing all of our efforts. I think we know what our target should be, at least in the short term. Um, we all have YouTube on our phones. We all have Spotify on our phones. I think we know like the minimum bar of like what people expect now. We all have TikTok on our phones. The minimum bar of what people expect from an app that delivers high-quality uh, media, audio, video. So that can keep us busy for quite some time. I do think a lot of the podcast namespace features are kind of going beyond that, actually, in some ways. There's some interesting things they're doing with cryptocurrencies and that sort of thing. But we don't even have to get to that point yet um, because we have something else. And the something else is something that I think is more top of mind to people and people that listen to the podcast that they like. And that is the platform aspect, right? So everyone now is kind of familiar when you are on a platform, you're subject to their rules and their capriciousness. And that used to be an extremely esoteric, like, Interesting to only one or two, you know, a very handful of people. But now everyone knows of a YouTuber or someone that either they are or they know or they listen to that has strong opinions on this. And all of them would love to jump to something that was a little less uh, centralized, like Instagram or whatever. And, you know, people are using Substack for this now. 
So I think there's still a ways to go there. I think we'll always have that yeah. as kind of something that's better. Potentially, but then you have sponsors. You'll have sponsors eventually, though. Like at some point, though, the you know the control can be wrangled back. You know, if if Cloudflare, for example, was you know you use workers, or I think there's some details around your platform that's that's made aware, and I think you're on Cloudflare. But if they didn't like what you're doing, Cloudflare would pull their support from you, and you would be like infrastructureless. You know what I mean? You know. It, so there's still that aspect of indie. Well, welcome to development in 2022. But yeah, I, I agree. I <laughs> yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah, you go lower down the infrastructure and you can still have uh, different plugs pulled. But the, but at that level, it's been generally less onerous or what do you call it, draconian, whereas the powers that be at the social media networks have really put their thumb down on their yeah. creators. Those have been exercised more so. Yeah. And I think there are certain features that are more um, susceptible to that sort of thing. So OP3 is, you know, whether it not or succeeds or fails, that really doesn't affect making podcasting better. I mean, it, to, I would love it to succeed, but you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't affect comments being added to the spec or everyone else marching along just fine. Those types of things are less susceptible to something like that. A podcaster still controls their destiny because they have a URL to their feed. And if they have a domain, they can move that feed wherever they want and put whatever features they want in there. So to that extent, you never really lose as much control um, to a platform like that. Yeah, yes, you can rely on these services, but you can easily take them out and move to another service. So in that way, it does kind of survive, you know, who's up and who's down in the cloud wars uh, going forward. But I could be naive on that. But, uh, you know, at some point you have to, as you say, you need to distribute via CDN. And there's no distributed uh, CDN platform quite yet, right? There's IPFS, Tor, but like there's no kind of like you have to use the tools that you have and just kind of uh, as long as you own the URL that, sh that you're able to kind of move the where, you know, who's implementing those services. I think that's the best we can do. It's close as you can get. Yeah. All road leads to blockchain there. You're like, well, the last stretch is like <laughs> it has to go on an immutable ledger, so they can't take it off the ledger. Gosh. Is that where you're going? See, I don't I don't know about that. See, to me that's still in the future. I think he's joking, right? He's I think he's No, joking. I'm I'm mostly saying like, well, as you get more and more extreme, eventually in your mind, you're like, well, I guess that's finally we finally found out the reason for the blockchain. There it is right there. Can't we just check everything into Git? We'll just check all the MP3 <laughs> Uh, podcast episodes into Git and be done with it. Oh, Microsoft, though. Yeah, this is. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a tough problem. Yeah. Tough well, problem. I think you have identified, though, the, the lowest barrier to independence, which is owning your own domain, which is why, you know, early on. Own your feeds, man. Yeah. We, even with our platform, like we, this isn't really about us, but a short stint about it. But we considered launching this platform that we built using SoundCloud and SoundCloud API. We mentioned earlier that we, we handcrafted a XML file based upon SoundCloud, what we built and launched. But when we thought about it, we thought we want to own our own destiny. And if SoundCloud changes the game behind the scenes or they get underfunded or they don't get their next funding round or something happens to their platform that doesn't suit us long-term, then we've at least, you know, staked our flag and we're going our direction. And it became even more clear when we got, you know, partners like Linode and Fast and others to support us on the infrastructure side to enable us to build freely, essentially, to what we wanted to build. But yeah, I think that owning your own domain is is kind of step one, really, in the in the process. And when you are on 
an anchor or something else. I think you obviously forego that because who's going to go out and build their own thing like we have? It, it doesn't make sense for everyone. It just doesn't. But the independence does. And that's where I think an open source platform self-hosted could make sense. You know, like WordPress has made many, you know, made sense for many people. You own your own domain. You run your own WordPress. You control your own XML feeds, you know. And if this, the future of the podcast prefix and spec, et cetera, enables that, then that's the the closest you can get to non-platform. Right, and I'd, I'd hope there's other services that pop up as well that do special... Ser- I, I like the idea of um, at least encoding a way for people not to have to do it themselves in order to implement all the specs. So, yeah, you like to have open stats. Maybe there's some... You have a few options there. Or you want to do live streaming. Maybe you have a few options there. It's, ju- it's just when there's one option, I think, that um, things break down. Agreed. Well... I got to hop off, guys. John, this has been awesome. Uh, appreciate you sitting down with us for so long. I think OP3 is really cool. We're going to throw a feed at it. We're going to get some data in there for you. Uh, we'll pick a show, put it in there, start crunching some numbers, kick the tires. I definitely want to see it succeed. I think that having an open version of this is one piece of the puzzle. There's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. And uh, I wish you the best of luck on it, man, because there's lots of work left to do and lots of decisions left to make. And I hope you get some serious sponsorship so that it can thrive and not die on the vine as so many things do. Like the comments, man. I want the comments, but, you know, got to get that chicken and egg figured out. It'll get there. What kind of sponsor are you looking for? For OP3? Mm-hmm. Like, what are ideal sponsors for you? I think obviously people that use or have an interest in it succeeding. Um, it's great to have benefactors just like, I like the idea. Um, but I, for something like this, I love the fact that they have some sort of a skin in the game. So they either have shows that are on the platform or they've done this before, or they, you know, I've already had some interest inbound from just random companies that need to verify downloads for one reason or another, because they provide some sort of service for, uh, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, so they're actually really interested in having this succeed and they would just, uh, have their clients implement it. So they're happy to sponsor stuff. So it actually, I don't worry about the sponsorship so much because if people use it enough, I think it's a fairly easy sell and it's not going to cost thousands of dollars a month to run. Um, and again, I'm not planning on making this my full-time job, so I don't need to go out and get rent money from this as far as sponsorship goes. It just needs to be sustaining which uh, hopefully if we're clever about how we store things and uh, do data retention, it's not going to be, it's not going to break the bank. So the ideal sponsor would be uh, one of the, you know, either a big podcaster or uh, one of the existing players in the space. So one of the hosting companies or large network, anyone that's interested in, in looking into this. A CDN? Could be. Yeah. I know Cloudflare. I actually am really Mm -hmm. tied into Cloudflare's developer network. So I, I could go that route, but I, I think for something like this, you actually want to maintain some level of independence. I don't want like free money from them for this. So they are fine with this use case. And uh, for to me, that's, that's fine. Um, it is written against their alien technology, so it's not very portable. So if we were going to port this to Fastly or whatever, there's no standards yet as far as how to write code on the CDN across all of these. Everyone does storage and yeah. the services that they offer differently. So that would be mm-hmm. harder. I like the idea of the CDN and the CDN. Like maybe if there was like a, a CDN aggregate that actually was Fastly, Cloudflare, <laughs> AWS, ah. and you don't even know where your stuff is at, but you're using them, you know? It's somewhere. And the, and somewhere out yeah. there. 
Stick what it in all three, and then you have redundancy. That's right. Yeah, exactly. John, thanks so much for the, the guided tour, I suppose, through this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I love talking about this stuff. Absolutely. I'll tell you back. 